Welcome to the Recruitment Startup Series with Louise Triants of UK Recruiter. In this episode, we welcome Katie Babich of Sonovate, where she tells us a bit about what Sonovate offers and how they help all sales businesses with invoice finance by unlocking client invoices that haven't yet been paid. Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's recruitment. Got a little bit of echo. Have we got any other windows open? I think Katie, I've got you on. Right. Apologies, yeah, my fault. <laughs> um we have a few technical difficulties. I think we're sorted now. So I'm going to introduce my guest in a minute. Um and but first of all, I just want to say a few things about how to if you're watching this show. So if you're watching live on Crowdcast, please feel free to say hi in the sidebar. If you've got any questions, feel free to ask them there. Um, if you're watching on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, feel free to pop your questions there too, and I'll try to get to them during the show. If you're watching afterwards, um, I will be sharing this on my blog, and I'll put details of how you can get in touch with Katie on the blog. So without further ado, Katie, you want to introduce yourself? Tell me a bit about yourself and your business. Yes. So thank you firstly for having me. Um, so look, let me start by telling you a bit about Sonovate and that can segue quite nicely into, into kind of what I do there. So, so Sonovate was founded back in 2011 and we pivoted to do what we do today as of January 2014. Um, now we are largely recruitment specific, although we are making some inroads into some other markets. Um, we've been through three rounds of VC funding, the very latest was at the back end of last year, which has helped us to continue to expand and build lots of exciting tech capabilities for our agencies. And um, we've now funded a billion pounds worth of invoices, which is pretty staggering. Um, we've uh, facilitated running about 20,000 contractors um, and yeah, across 39 countries. So that's kind of a little bit about Sonovate. Um, so I joined Sonovate coming up to five years ago now. Um, and the reason I joined is because I was really attracted um, to the passion and, and the dedication that the owners um, have about kind of disrupting the finance market and creating a um, solution that genuinely helps businesses scale. So look, Sonovate has some pretty big dreams and it's really hard not to um, get sucked into that journey. Now, I'm currently the head of UK startups. So we help agencies who are either looking to get into the contracting market for the very first time or those who've reached a point where they want to unlock some um, some cash for growth. Okay, cool. That's brilliant. My next question was going to be, who's the ideal person to watch this? So it is somebody who is either a brand new startup and this contract market is part of <clears throat> to be offering mm -hmm. or somebody who's further down the line as a business is that right yeah exactly so, so, so look, to kind of answer that question um i can kind of split it into two for you so we have those that are looking to use sonovate from a functional perspective and then we have those that are um looking to kind of use this from an aspirational perspective so from a functional perspective perspective you have agencies that are perhaps 
brand new startups and they come to Sonovate because we supply them with everything. So it gives them that confidence of, um, you know, taking on contract or pursuing the contract market as, um, as as a kind of option for them because they've got everything in the background in place. So, so they don't have to worry about it from that perspective. Um, and also agencies that have, yeah, you know, as I mentioned, perhaps outgrown some of their um, processes and their cash supply. So they are looking to kind of ensure that they don't stunt their growth in any further way. Um, and then you've got agencies from a more um, more kind of aspirational perspective are keen to um, to grow. So they're looking to kind of grow at a much faster rate than they would do organically. Um, then, then you've got agencies that want to kind of access um, more, you know, more cash flow. Perhaps they only have a certain part of cash to play with and they want to open that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, those that perhaps don't want to be doing any of the admin so want to focus on the on the on the thing that they're good at which is the recruiting the client schmoozing yeah um those that also want to build um a business around you know the best products that are within the sort of recruitment ecosystem um and look those that also have some some pretty high aspirations and might want to sell the business at some point in the future Okay, cool. So that's quite a lot of different things you could think about. Um, and, and what I think we're going to try and pick a little bit on this show is some of the stuff around um, why contractors, how it helps your business grow, some of the things you've touched on there. Um, I guess that most people, when they come into recruitment, it's from one or two channels. Either they've got a background already in recruitment. So yeah, they yeah. They might have a background in recruitment, so they probably understand the contract market quite well. And then there's people who are coming to recruitment afresh and starting up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I suspect they need a bit of help, a, a completely different needs for those yeah. people. So let's, let's unpick that a bit further down the line. But first of all, um, so my background's perm recruitment. Mm-hmm. Why is running both contract and perm important to improve this business sale value? Yeah. Um, so look, to, to kind of, you know, we can kind of fl- flip it the other way to just try and understand from the beginning, you know, what people's reasoning are for getting into the recruitment market. And a lot of people tend to kind of go into the market um, or start up their business having an exit strategy in mind. Now, naturally, things might change as as they kind of go down that journey. But Assuming that they don't want to run a lifestyle business, which again is absolutely fine if they do that, that's perfectly normal. Um, but if they do want to kind of go, go go beyond that and have an exit strategy, then they might want to sell or there might be, you know, merger and acquisition, which is likely the kind of strategy. Um, so look, in order for, you know, a, a, an agency to kind of maximize their sale value, they need to be looking at and kind of showing um, value across a range of different value drivers. And some of those will include things like, um, you know their expertise in a particular sector mm-hmm. obviously having good billing team and good billing kind of consultants or even themselves being a high top biller is obviously super important having some efficiency and um and some tech that could potentially kind of help them you know continue to grow mm. um and and look obviously um a good kind of mix of healthy mix of perm and contract is also really important now, there's been some research recently that shows that agencies that focus on contract um, over perm will yeah. receive a a seven to eleven times multiple um, versus a perm only business that could receive a three times multiple. Right. Now, the reason for this is that it's much much easier for someone to buy 
revenue. So i.e. revenue that could be spanning the next 12 months or even beyond, i.e. a contractor book. Now what's difficult to sell when it comes to a perm business is that perm businesses are built on and the foundations of those are kind of relationships and therefore if a business owner has a key relationship with an client, they can't just sell that very easily. No. Okay. And I think that is one of the problems that people definitely have seen that when they're building a business, they're not, they're not thinking quite as far ahead as they should be. And the business owner is working really hard to build mm -hmm. these relationships because that's what we know. We're yeah, of course. It's a consultative industry. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. the business is your name, regardless of what name you've given it, yeah. I guess that's the challenge you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned value drivers. Yeah. Now, this show's not just about um, how people work with Sonovate, although obviously we are <laughs> going to come on to that in a bit more yeah. detail. But what are the most important value drivers you see for a new startup? Um, so again, it, it, it kind of goes back to that question of what they're looking to achieve. So, you know, those that are super ambitious and plan to sell the business or have some sort of, um, you know, exit strategy over the next kind of sort of five to 10 years, they should be thinking about things like, um, you know, focusing beyond the domestic market. So maybe they've got a good set of core clients here in the UK. You know, where else can they capitalize on clients internationally? Maybe they work for a big end client that has a big group structure that they could focus on. So that's a really good thing to look at international markets and um, infrastructure. So look, you know, obviously surrounding yourself with, with, with good technology is great, but having a good infrastructure internally so that if you did leave, the business isn't going to sort of keel over and die. Or if you did sell it, it's going to be a, you know, functioning thing um, when when you do. Um, strong management teams are also important because, again, being able to kind of sell a business and have, you know, a strong team inside the business continuing to push it forward is really important. Um, and, yeah, look, you know, strengths with clients, you know, strengths and relationships with clients is, is, is super important. So being able to build a a good solid brand that clients and candidates will you know will will will, will want to come back to okay so um i guess my next question is that if i'm a recruiter i'm doing perm recruitment at the moment i'm thinking that what you're saying resonates and probably have been for a while um yeah. what, what i want to get into contract recruitment what's mm -hmm. the, the that should be started to think about so the first and the, probably the easiest thing that people can do is talk to their current perm clients. You know, from our experience, most end clients will probably be running contractors somewhere in the business. So that's definitely your first port of call, asking them, are they running any now? Is it something that they can get involved with? Can they expand their relationship that way? Yeah. Um, secondly is start to build a good network of um, candidates, so a good network of, you know, contractors now. Or it could be a, a good network of people that might look to go contract as they get more senior perhaps might be something that that they look to do later on um, and look ultimately we know that recruitment is a fairly tight-knit community so if you've done a great job for one candidate they're you know they're really likely to recommend you or refer you or you know come back to you and lastly definitely map your market you know you can use a combination of thermographic and topical data to ensure that you build a picture of of what that um, contracting workforce could look like whether that be today or whether that, that be some you know some sort of changes in your industry that could mean that clients take contractors on later down the line okay this might be a really obvious question but it is contract recruitment similar to um, perm in that niche is better um 
I don't know whether it, it's it's better, but it does mean that you can become incredibly focused and 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 a huge expert in what you do. And I think you know a lot of markets. So take tech for example. There are a ton of nuances within tech, um, and so you can become a specialist within a particular sector of tech as well as any other industry. So yeah, niche is good, um, but you know they're also kind of pitfalls. So there are there are positives and negatives to that for sure. Cool. So um, you've just led me on to my next question, which is around the mistakes that people make. Yeah. You mentioned pitfalls. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess with your experience, I mean, the number of clients you've had is extraordinary. What sort of mistakes are you seeing recruiters regularly make when they embark on that contract market? I think the biggest mistake is not being prepared. And that's both um, financially and administratively. So obviously, if you don't have the money to, to fund a placement, you might find yourself in a position where you're pushing that candidate back onto the client to make them kind of run that placement, you're listening, you know, you're missing out on turnover, things like that. So it's good to be financially prepared. Um, and from an administrative perspective, I think some people that haven't ever done contract before, might kind of underestimate how much time it could take to manage the process. And often the candidates, I think they're the, they're the things that are most difficult to kind of manage. Um, and so look, you know, you know, people might find themselves losing losing some valuable sales time um, in um, you know in any given month. Um, also, the contract market moves really, really quickly. So again, being prepared is super important. Being able to be prepared to work at pace. You know, if a client comes to you and says, "Ah, we've got an emergency. Someone needs to start tomorrow because our favorite client from another role has dropped out. We need them to fill a three month contract." Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, again, being able to kind of be prepared to work at pace. Is really important. So having your admin in place, having your finance in place, is 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 definitely key. Um, and I think finally, just make sure that you you know your fees. I know that seems pretty pretty straightforward and pretty basic, but people have to remember that when they're running contractors, the contractor is a cost to you, and so your fees and margins, if they're not dictated to you and you've got a bit of wiggle room, just ensure that you're um, adding your fees on top of the cost of the candidate. Okay, that's interesting. I've had a question in the um, one of the sidebars from Alan, which was, um, do contract recruiters find themselves being pushed on fees more than perm recruiters? I mean, is there, in your experience, are, are you likely more often to be asked to negotiate if you're running contractors, or are they more static? Um, I think that's a really, I think it's a difficult question to answer because it will really depend on the industry. So, for example, the banking industry tends to be fairly, fairly tight in terms of margins. They tend to be, you know, dictated to, but that's probably because there's a huge volume of work. Right. Whereas when there's a candidate driven market, so if you take, for example, cybersecurity or, you know, an industry that is high in demand, it's candidate driven. So, you know, the agencies, you know in some respects definitely have a lot more control over their margin so I think it's difficult to answer but largely speaking I'd say that agencies definitely have a good um, a good argument with the client to say that you know they're charging this because the end client is getting a highly um, highly sought after, um, you know, ca candidate for a short period of time to fix whatever problem is within their business, and they don't have to commit to that candidate full time. And therefore, yes, it, it, it does cost, but ultimately, it also costs um, the agency more to run that. So, so yes. So, so look, it, it, I think it depends. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Um, Alan, I hope that answers the question. Um, so one of the things you said there was about being, most important thing really is being prepared and ready yeah. to go. 
and having all your ducks in a row. And I guess that's what happens to some recruiters. I've spoken to people who <laughs> have been offered the opportunity to um, have a contractor in an existing client and haven't had a clue what to do. So I don't want to go into the big pitch and we are going to talk more about Solibet in, in a minute. Yeah. How does a business like yours help these recruiters transition into dual desking or mm. migrating elements of the business process? Um, so look, we try and make life as easy as possible because the one thing that we do understand is what's important to an agency, which is revenue generation. So we look to take away as much hassle as possible. It's also really quick and easy to get set up with no kind of long-term scary commitment. So again, if people need to move quickly and if they suddenly have a role that starts on Monday, and we can get things up and running within a few days. Um, there's also no cost to setting up. And look, the reason we do that is because we understand that there is enough pressure trying to secure the role and then trying to secure commitment from both parties. That means that the last thing we want to do is add stress um, by you know, making them pay for something. Um, if say, for example, the role doesn't materialize because let's be honest, candidates change their mind, client requirements change, things might not um, come out the way you wanted to. So yeah, leaving it kind of stress-free. Um, and then look, obviously taking away all the admin burden um, so that the agencies can, can focus on deals. Again, talking about the fact that they want to be doing the thing that they're most good at. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, the finances is obviously a given making sure that there's no constraints around that finance so we're not saying to you here is a finance facility but here are all these kind of rules that you must you know ab abide by from our perspective as long as clients are credit worthy then we will tend to kind of give you um as much cash as you need to grow as quickly as possible um and yeah look there are lots of add-ons and you know additional services should should they need us um for other things Okay, cool. Earlier on, I think you commented on the the um, number of clients you're working with. So, how many mm. businesses on event working with at the moment? So, uh, close to three thousand now, um, and they range from brand new startups right the way through to businesses that are turning over 50 60 million pounds and they are a good mix of agencies that are looking to get into the contractor market and build a contracting book. Um, those that come to us from another funder um, and also those agencies that, do you know what, whilst they may not want to get into the contracting world um, actively, they find themselves with roles coming their way because that's the other thing about, you know, contract recruitment. Sometimes it comes looking for you. It doesn't mean that you actively pursue it, but your clients don't want to go anywhere else. They'd rather come to you for that business. And so agencies want to be in a position where if the stars align, if they've got the right candidate, if it's worth their time working that role, they've got something in place in the background to facilitate it, should it be the right thing for them. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was quite <clears throat> an interesting figure. I'd also seen a stat about your market dominance. What, what is that? Yeah, so look, we're super proud of our ability to, you know, provide what we think is a pretty perfect platform for agencies. Um, so look, in 2019, 46% of all new agencies that took a financier for the first time um, chose Sonovate. Now, that's a pretty staggering figure considering um, that we don't actually yet um, fund into all industries. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. I've got a question. Okay. Uh, as soon as this asked a question in the sidebar, which is how easy is it to transition from another funder? Um, so I, yeah, uh, that also doesn't necessarily have a 
have a have a short answer. I guess it depends on the funder themselves. Um, you know, most traditional funders tend to have, you know, you you tend to work with them for a 12-month period and then you have maybe a month or a three-month notice period. So so the actual physical transition itself is relatively straightforward, but it, it but it but it's all about how long you're actually tied into that um financier for in, in the first place. Okay. I've got a, um, a question here, which um, I, I don't know if you can answer, but I, I get a sense that you've got a good handle on what's going on in the market. But so do you have any idea of how quickly the market is growing at present? I mean, in incredibly quickly, honestly, incredibly quickly, especially over the last uh, decade. So in the last decade, there's been a 280% increase on the amount of agencies that are setting up. Um, so, for example, in 2019, eight and a half thousand new recruitment agencies incorporated. Now, most of those are kind of London based. And then the biggest hub outside London is Birmingham, followed closely by um, Leicester and Manchester. And I think some of the key reasons why it's growing so quickly is around, for example, the, the, the traditional sectors are growing. Um, so there's ample opportunity in those. And there's loads of new emerging sectors. And I know we touched on that earlier, but there's loads of new emerging sectors. So there's plenty of business to go around. So again, you talked about niche sectors. So things like biotech, edutech, space blockchain there's you know there's countless new industries that people can kind of get into and mm. um, there's also really low cost to starting up and really low barriers to you know create your own business and also businesses um, have much 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 better access to finance than they did 10 years ago um, and so with with the amount of new products available to them the, the the kind of power balance has definitely shifted to, to to a business to an agency because they now have choice um and look in the last 10 years i guess we've seen you know there's some stats around how you know it, it's the time it takes for an agency to get a funder for the very first time has reduced by about you know 84 85 percent um and then we take into the fact that you know modern technology and you know the kind of the amount of connectedness that there is out there makes it really easy for people to kind of build their own personal brand and build their own um you know business brand really quite quickly and really easily yeah no and those figures around the number of <clears throat> starting up is astonishing but yeah, yeah. Totally what we're seeing. So 10 years ago, we didn't have a startup section. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we do. And we're doing this series of show for the first time. Yeah. Um, every week, I'm getting calls from people wanting to set up their recruitment businesses, which is why I wanted to do chats with people like yeah. you, because I'm not the expert in this. You're the expert in this. Um, growth sectors. You did yeah. a couple there, one of which I'd never heard of. Um, what are the biggest growth sectors that you're seeing for your clients or in your space? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, uh, you know, tech is obviously a big one. And like I said, there's there, there's so many subcategories within that. And that continues to kind of expand. I mean, you know, the, um, you know, Bitcoin and that blockchain movement is definitely, you know, a, a, a huge, you know, a huge kind of growth sector. Um, aside from that, you know, engineering is pretty big, as is, you know, professional services more broadly, but also executive search. We have a load of executive search businesses that, you know, place um, interim candidates candidates at kind of senior levels but outside of this there's still a ton of industries that we've not yet got into but we definitely have an appetite for it and uh, it's definitely something our kind of CTO is, uh, is is driving towards. Okay so on that note is there anything coming up that, that you're able to share that you're working on at the moment? 
Yeah, so really excitingly, I don't know if anyone's heard, but we hired the uh, CTO from ASOS at the back end of last year. Um, and um, look, over the next you know six to nine months, we're going through a major replatforming, which is really exciting. We're going to be modularizing the entire um, product, developing a ton of really clever integrations, allowing for lots of new services, lots of new capabilities, and it allow us to kind of go into more sectors. So, for example, healthcare is across recruitment the highest growth sector. So, us being able to get into that space is super important, um, as well as being able to kind of open up into other spaces. So, for example, the consultancy market is three times the size of the recruitment market in the UK. Obviously, with the introduction of IR35, I think some people might go down that statement of work route as well. So, that's a really interesting space, as well as people trying to modernize recruitment. So, for example, platforms creating these really interesting kind of dating algorithms that match candidates with clients. That's also really exciting. So yeah, look, um, lots, um, lots of industry, you know, lots of industries for us to get into, but it'll all be led by um, the need for workers to get paid because that's the kind of core purpose of Sonovay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm going to ask you a question about IR35. You just touched on it there. Yeah. In terms of the platform, if I'm a recruiter using the platform, um, can you just tell me very briefly how that feels? What am I actually doing on the platform? So in, in terms of an agency? Yeah, because you, you mentioned that you're upgrading the platform. Mm. Can you just tell me a bit about how that would feel to be utilising that? So I guess there'll be a lot more integrations into everything that people are using currently. So CRMs, accounting softwares, beyond that, may, you know, connecting into kind of profiles of candidates on, you know, on LinkedIn, having really clever AI contract readers. Um, so there'll be a ton of integration. So things, you know, again, things like, um, you know, statement of work, um, sign off, we'll have, you know, timesheets and people will be able to pick and choose what they want to use. Um, and it, it, will, it, it will just feel um, a lot more modern. So whilst we are the, you know, the kind of market leader in tech for startups at the moment, I think once we re-platforms for sort of September, October time this year, um, there will definitely be, you know, another wave of kind of, uh, yeah. Oh, slightly lost Katie there. We've got a slight technical issue. Um, well, what was I going to say about the platform? Well, what I was going to say about the platform was that for recruiters, it does need to be an integral part of what you're doing, that you don't want to be having to go to a platform um, to put information in about timesheets. What you want is something that you can utilise alongside your everyday technology. Um, and I haven't seen the platform, but that's what I liked about it, was the idea that you could integrate it with the other parts of your business, so that you didn't have to be kind of like your CRMs here and your, um, oh, I'm just going to try and get Katie back on. Um, and yeah, I like the idea of it all being um, part and parcel of the same thing. Right, I'm just going to hope that Katie gets reconnected because I wanted to ask a couple of questions about IR35 and about how people can um, get in touch with Sonovate. So whilst we're waiting for Katie to come back on, I will share a link to the Sonovate website. Let's have a look. Have we got Katie back? Accepting and connecting, hopefully. She's coming back. Um, the other thing I know that Sonovate do is um, some webinars, and I can link to that. There was a webinar with Osborne Clark, which I'm going to try and find, which might have some useful information for anybody who's interested in the um, IR35 um, 
issue. Let me just see whether I can get, I'm just going to try one more time to get Katie back on. And if we can't, we'll have to do a little follow up for my final questions with her. Let's see whether I can get her back. So I'm going to try and find that webinar I was talking about. And I can share that in the sidebar for anybody who's interested in watching that. Katie, are you coming back on screen? I can see that she's attempting to accept and connect. Oh. Technology of these shows. It's going to give her a minute. Oh, ah. sorry, there I am. Sorry, just as I'm talking about fintech, there I go. <laughs> so whilst you were um, gone, I was just sharing a link to your website in the sidebar. Sorry. Um, I wanted to discuss a couple of questions about IR35. Yes. So Please. do you want to experiences of what agencies are thinking around the IR35 topic? Yeah, so so look, so we started our sort of consultation process with agencies about um, sort of back end of, uh, you know, last year, sort of um, August, September time. Um, and we also engaged with some key legal experts to ensure that we're designing the right um, you know, tech and, you know, solutions in line with our technology. Um, so, yeah, so look, in terms, you know, to keep, to keep it brief, because I know I35 is quite complex, um, we have, you know, created a scope to be able to kind of cope with any type of candidate, so whether they're inside, whether they're outside, through the use of um, PAYE, statement of work, time material. So, yeah, so look, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be able to handle any, any type of candidate. Okay. Brilliant. And you, I was just also saying whilst you're off screen that you had done a, a webinar with Osborne Clark, who are a very well-regarded law firm. Um, how did that go? And can I share that somehow? Yeah, yeah, of course. I will send a link to this um, afterwards. Um, so, yeah, that that was great. So we had, what, over um, 800 people join us. Um, and the kind of, you know, I guess it was really great to have those kind of legal experts leading the charge on that and, you know, and giving their kind of best feedback and best insight. And I guess the three sort of major takeaways from that are that, um, you know, contractors, for the most part, may find themselves um, inside IR35. Um, so agencies need to ensure that they are getting themselves prepared for the eventuality of either needing to take the candidate on fully onto PAYE or at least being able to facilitate their national insurance. So that's definitely something that agencies need to do. Um, secondly, I, I, we know a large number of kind of big, big clients have taken a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to say, um, everyone's going to be inside IR35 and I think, um, yeah, look, whilst that is a bit of an overreaction and a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to to the kind of IR35 because I assume they think that um, HMRC will probably go after them first, probably not, 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 you know, not wrongly, um, but look, I'm sure that will all um, balance itself out as people start to get used to what is inside and what is outside. Yeah. Um, and then, look, lastly, you know, the you know the last thing is that don't be deterred to get into the contracting market. I35 is not an end to to contract. It's not going to stop people from you know from doing it. And and if anything, there's there's going to be a ton of opportunities. I think from our own kind of experience, especially over the last few months. We've not seen a single slowdown. We've not seen any agencies tell us that they're not going to join us based on the fact of I-35. We've not seen a slowdown in the amount of agencies that are looking to 
place for the very first time. So look, whilst IR35 is going to change the process, um, it's certainly not going to be, you know, impacting people's ability to make placements. And look, I think the, the last thing to think about is that there's going to be lots of businesses out there that will be completely exempt from IR35. So loads of startups that want to work with smaller businesses that perhaps turn over less than 10 million, mm. they're going to be exempt. So that question won't even come up. No, and I think that's um, one of the things which is often overlooked is that there's a whole tranche of businesses you can continue to work with without yeah. any fear. Yeah. So contract recruitment is not going away. And it's a great opportunity is that as a recruiter, you will have clients who need your advice. And as a recruiter, working with someone like you, I mean, the depth of knowledge that you guys have about the market is astounding. And I think that's something that they can utilise when they go forward to their clients. Yeah, yeah 100%. I want you to tell me just about next steps for people. But I also noticed when I was looking at your site, you've got a ton of um, e-books on the site. Are they available to everybody? Yeah, 100%. Just log on, download them. I think we'll ask you for some, you know, for just an email address. Um, so, yeah, look, there are some, there are three really good ones that I think most people should check out. So there's contract recruitment, everything you need to know. That okay. just gives you a basic understanding. Um, there's things like maximizing your quarters. So, for example, maximizing Q1, Q2. And look, you know, people come into each new year with a strategy of growth. And if they've not hit that strategy of growth by the end of Q1 or by the end of Q2, perhaps there's a few tips and hints there that we can you know, that we can give people um, around kind of maximizing that growth. And look, of course, that that is centered around contract recruitment, because, you know, adding a, adding even one or two contractors can definitely boost your revenue and definitely boost your growth. Um, and then lastly, it's things like, you know, what are the kind of smart strategies that other high growth business owners have experienced? And um, so some of them are from um, outside of our client base, and then others that ha were brand new startups when they joined Sonovate and they're now, you know, some of our biggest clients. So, you know, being able to kind of interview businesses like that is really crucial because, again, it doesn't come from Sonovate. It comes from them. It comes from their mouth. Um, it's uh, hints and tips that they have provided. OK, cool. I've shared a couple of links here. I'll put them in oh. the blog post as well. Um, I've looked at the uh, contract recruitment, everything you need to know one, really comprehensive, highly recommend it. I'll make sure I share that everywhere. Um, and actual fact, if people are thinking about working with you, it's great. To, it's a really good introduction to what you as a business understand yeah. in this space. And like you say, a huge longevity within the industry. Um, extraordinary number of clients yeah um, so certainly that and, and from our conversation anyone can see that your depth of knowledge is second to none in this space so certainly uh, worth people getting in touch and if they want to get in touch how do they get started with you what what, what happens if someone approaches yeah. you and they want to work with you I mean what, what I'm guessing it's not just yeah yeah you're on board <laughs> yeah I mean look from our perspective it's about understanding them it's mm. about understanding what are they trying to achieve and make sure that we um you know position Sonovate to be part of that journey um so so yes yeah, so look it's just about doing our due diligence asking the right questions qualifying and you know essentially telling them how Sonovate is going to work for them because every business operates differently every business operates in a different um you know in, in 
in a different sector. Then it's also really important to show people how Sonovate works. Again, you know, what what's their side of the bargain versus what's ours? What do we provide? All, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, look, you know, it's talking about fees and things like that, and then we can progress with getting set up. Um, so, yeah, it's not a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, but it's, um, <laughs> yeah, if people do need to move quickly, we can move quickly. But, yeah, look, it's, it's definitely about understanding what are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? And how can Sonovate be a part of that journey? Okay. So I was just saying online, which was that um, he's a client of yours, I think, and he said the speed of the speed in which you moved to start working with him was extraordinary. So he was in a situation where he had a contractor, he wanted to get into that business, and you were able to get that turned around for him really right. fast. And I think right. that um, it's important that the due diligence is in place, but people yeah. really need, like you said, you've got to have your, your ducks in a row. Yeah. So that's great. All right, cool. Yes. Katie, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. No, I'm sorry. Um, you know, not, well, not very techie. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that would be great. Um, we've got through tons and tons of questions. Um, yeah. There's probably a few on social media I have missed. So I'm sorry if I've missed questions you put on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. We will come back to those. Um, yeah. I'll call Katie and I'll make sure they get answered for the blog post, which will be going out this week. So if you're watching us now, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, please do get in touch with Katie. Her details will be accessible everywhere. Um, and if you're watching this on Catch Up, again, very easy to find both myself, so Louise Trines or Katie from Sonovate. Thank you ever so much, Katie. Thank, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. If you would like to hear more from UK Recruiter and Recruiter Zone, go to the blog section on our website, ukrecruiter.co.uk.